Hi, I'm Dr. Dan Gardner, and I talk about traumatic brain injury. And today I'm pleased to be talking with recreational therapist Rhonda Stempian. Traumatic brain injury recovery. Welcome, Rhonda. Thank you. Rhonda, please tell me your background and how you got into the area of traumatic brain injury. Well, I started my career after graduating from UCSD with my undergraduate in psychology, and I ended up working at Palomar College as an adjunct community teacher, teaching music of movement and art, and I stumbled into recreational therapy. I had never heard of that, so I followed up on that. I ended up attending Indiana University, Master's in Recreational Therapy program, I stumbled into the population of traumatic brain injury, and I just fell in love with that population working with the survivors. And That's great to know that you found a good fit, both yeah. in career and the population with yeah. whom you're working. Yeah. Tell me, how does a recreational therapist work with brain injury survivors? Well, just like how you would intuitively think of it, it's using therapy with a recreation leisure approach. So we work usually with a team, uh, OT, PT, speech, psychotherapists, and we use recreation and leisure to promote wellness, to promote a sense of well-being, and to address the therapeutic goals that the other therapists have. Well, we like to say it's medicine wrapped in sugar because we get Very to nice way of putting it. Yeah. What are some of the activities that you would engage a brain injury survivor in? Well, really, Dr. Gardner, it's anything that they're interested in. That is the globalness of what I get to do as a recreational therapist. It's I assess what their interests are, and sometimes they have interests. It could be sports, it could be fishing, it could be reading, it could be music, whatever it is. And then we can promote some of our goals that the other therapists have into that. So, Okay, so it's not a one-size-fits-all. No. It's very individualized, whatever the person has a preference and ability yeah. for. And that's really a main part of assessing a client is working with them and their family or caregiver team and finding out what some of their interests are, maybe from the past. Sometimes a lot of people don't even really have any particular leisure or recreational interest. So a lot of it can be leisure education and helping them find something that they would really love to do and then working within that. I see. Now, do you work with patients in their home or in uh, rehab programs? How do you get involved with the patients? I actually work in both settings. I do work in community residential settings. And I, I mean, I love that part of it, that piece, because I get to bring something to their program, their day that maybe they otherwise wouldn't have. But where I really, really enjoy and where I think there's such a great need for is that home and community-based component. That's a larger piece of my practice. It is 
where I get a chance to help them incorporate some of those interests in their natural setting, in their home-based, community-based setting. So it fits in with their lifestyle at home. Rhonda, could you give me some examples of people with whom you've worked? Sure. I could give you an example first of leisure education. So a lot of times I'll have clients that really don't know what they want to do and the families aren't really sure how to engage them in recreation, leisure and community. And so what we'll do is we'll do a thorough assessment and after that assessment we might try some different activities. Sometimes we have to do it home based because they're not prepared or they're not comfortable yet going out into the community. For instance, I had one gentleman that wanted to try golf. He wasn't ready to be out playing golf. So we purchased putt and return lawn set and we played that for quite a few weeks, which really worked on some of those goals of focus, attention, balance, uh, being able to uh, emotionally self-regulate. And then when he was ready and more comfortable, we took a trip out to the driving range. Maybe that only lasted 20 minutes and that slowly increased. And then months later, which was a huge goal, was to go play nine holes at an executive course. Wow. We didn't make online holes. <laughs> okay, but it's a start. It's, and so yeah. successive approximations was what exactly. you did. I had a client, loved working with this guy, and before his injury, he was a triathlete, so and wow. specifically loved cycling. Mm -hmm. And I found a program actually in San Diego County called Blind Strokers. And the, the stroker, if I'm correct, is the, the, the man on the, on the back, seat of a tandem and they actually take visually impaired patients clients out on tandem rides and so he was able to get back into an, a recreational sport that he really loved and then I think the most challenging for me but that it can be sometimes the most rewarding I had one client who such a severe low functioning injury so, or that rendered him very low functioning, especially mm -hmm. ability. And sometimes that can be the toughest because they can't engage functionally. So just finding community opportunities for him to just go and participate in, be there, like uh, music events mm -hmm. and, uh, or at uh, aquatics, therapy programs where he could be hoyer lifted into the water, lower down to experience the, the sensation of just being present in a, an environment that he can't necessarily physically engage in at a high level, but that he could be present. In. Be present and be an observer, right, yeah. and take advantage of the experience that way. Any other examples that come to mind that you want to tell me about? I do have one client that I work with regularly now that, again, it started with leisure education because he really didn't have a lot of leisure background experience. His injury was when he was very young. And somehow, you know, they say you throw enough pasta at the wall and something sticks. Yep. Finally, we found golf to be really something he enjoyed. And slowly after engaging in it, week in, week out, he got better and better. 
And we eventually found, which is always the last piece of what I like to do is connect them somehow to their community. So once they find something that they really love or that they will continue with, of course, finding something in the community resources that will support that and help them now generalize it to a community situation so they can work with some of those goals like community integration, appropriateness, and all those things. But uh, keeping in mind that the whole time, no matter what level we're at, we're working on all those goals at OT, PT, speech, psychotherapy, have for that patient. Could be right. balance, hand-eye coordination, tolerance. Right. So the recreational therapy is a channel in which you can promote those goals that you mentioned, OT, PT, and so forth. And what you also said, I think, is very important is a big part of your job is not only to help them find an outlet that they are interested in and engage in, but to connect them with a community resource so that when you're no longer working with them, they can maintain that outlet. Right. That can be challenging, but in a good way challenging because there are a lot of resources out there, but they're not always specific to the population of traumatic brain injury survivors. Right. right. Which you know well. So it's kind of trying to tease out the programs that would be appropriate for somebody with a traumatic brain injury opposed to somebody who is, you know, seniors with dementia or adults with developmental delays. And Sure. What's consistent with their interests and their abilities, for sure. So, Rhonda, in your work with brain injury survivors, what's the most challenging and what's what are the most satisfying aspects? Well, I would definitely say one of the challenging, but not, you know, in a negative way is finding resources. Yes. I mentioned. Okay. And uh, I would say, especially when you're working in a home and community setting, you have a lot of components of that that you have little control over. Where in a facility that is for that specific population, you have so much more control. All the therapists are on the same page. Everybody understands what they're dealing with. In a home setting, you're dealing with people who don't always understand so uh, the injury. So you're not only dealing with the client, but you're also teaching, training the family, the caregivers, or the community. So are you implying also that part of your work is with the family and, and any other caregiver to help support your efforts? Absolutely. That's a big part of it. And that's why it's really important to develop relationships, develop trust, mutual trust, so that they feel comfortable coming to you when they are stuck and they hit those speed bumps. And also what I like to try and do is part of once they're entering into that phase where I want them to really connect now with the community, I try and pull the family into it where I can. Having them participate, making it a family event or maybe uh, something for the husband and wife to do together to help them as they're growing in this new phase. So what advice do you have for brain injury survivors, for their families, and what advice do you have for healthcare treaters? 
for survivors and families, once you're in that community setting, which really I believe that is the optimal place to continue the healing program, mm -hmm. is to be open and flexible, to be open and mentally flexible and not be so rigid. It's a time to change your thinking about routines or how it was because you, you have this new person that's come back home mm -hmm. and in some ways it can be a great experience or opportunity for you to look within yourself and see where you, you can be more flexible and supportive and because like we said earlier there's it, it's hard to find resources sometimes it's hard to find in particular, like support groups to keep searching and where you can't find things, be open to creating opportunities, but really stay connected to the community however you can, because that's going to be the key to successfully reintegrating. Otherwise, you could see a lot of isolation, which is really typical. We see survivors and sometimes their families just isolate because they don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. Ron, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Well, I would to kind of go back and add to that last question you asked about what other professionals might consider. I really, really believe that home and community are the best setting whenever possible. That professionals get outside of that clinical setting and apply some of the goals that they're working on with the clients in a natural kind of environment. If you're working, uh, if a PT is working uh, with uh, balance or range of motion, get, go bowling, get out to the driving range. Uh, if a speech therapist is working on sequencing and following directions and uh, you know processing verbal or written information, help them take a cooking class or cook with them, mm -hmm. you know, involve them in things that are natural and it doesn't always have to be exactly like what we do as rec therapists, you know, something they want to, um, you know, continue to work on, but find natural uh, activities that are meaningful and purposeful. Things that are going to continue doing in their daily life. Rhonda, I want to thank you for spending the time and effort to talk to me today, and I wish you well. Thank you very much. Please like, subscribe, and comment.